up, we thought food was only something that could be enjoyed. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. So much of life happens in the kitchen. It's a place to gather, to laugh, to burn your meatloaf while the kids do their homework at the kitchen island. So if life is happening in the kitchen, that's where we want to be. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can be great dads and great cooks. This show is about us trying to figure it all out. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. Hey, Phil. Oh, hey there, Chris. I didn't see you there. Uh, I guess I'm just invisible today. That's all. Not to me, you're not. How are you doing? You doing okay? Uh, I am doing just fine. Trying to stay warm. Yeah, it's like it's like the frozen tundra of, I don't know, what do you call it out there? Is it a wasteland? It is still winter, and I guess that doesn't really mean anything because our springs are like winter as well. So we kind of have like winter, and then more winter, and then summer, and then winter. So is it like the he- like the like the wet, heavy type spring snow? I haven't been outside, so I don't know. <laughs> Probably is. Can you like not open your front door or what? No, no, we we can't. I've just chosen not to go outside. Gotcha. Because <laughs> it's cold and windy and wet, and I had no reason to go outside. So I I looked out a window. It looked like it was wet. It was probably what? I don't know if I should feel badly for you. Maybe I shouldn't mention this, but, you know, we're recording at like 11 p.m. my time and it's like 70 degrees outside. That's fine. We can wait till summer and then see how your weather feels to you. Yeah, it gets a little toasty in this podcast closet. I'm actually a little bit worried about what I'm going to do when, um, when it's not 70 degrees at night, but it's 170 degrees at night. Anyways, I've had a I've had a busy busy couple of days, a really busy couple of days. I've had some some Amazon packages delivered. You know, we're we're just going through a bunch of things and kind of swapping out, you know, what we don't need for what we do. And I'm curious, Chris, like, have you ever have you ever returned anything to Amazon? Yep, a few things. Okay. Is it like a pretty simple process? Yep. Wow. Okay. Pretty, pretty much. Pretty much. So <laughs> I, I think I was like a little bit scared of what that process is going to be like. I don't know. I just maybe not scared. I just didn't necessarily want to go through the hassle. So I bought this blanket and was pretty, pretty excited about it. Like it looked like a pretty, pretty good size blanket, you know, get the job done, do what blankets are meant to do. And anyways, I, I, I got it and it was too short, too short. So again, like didn't don't want to want a short blanket, but I really didn't want to go through the process of returning it on Amazon. So you know what I did, Chris? I sold it for more than you paid for it. No, it's not. No, man, I put it to use, and I put it to use by taking a portion off the top, just cut it, just just cut the like a foot or so right off the top, and then I sewed it to the bottom. Hashtag daylight savings. Okay. Come on. Just rear. Just rearranged it there, Phil. Huh? Just rearranged it. That's right. I made it longer by taking it off the top and putting it on the bottom. Because that's so what daylight savings does. Have you does. ever actually returned something through Amazon? No, I've never actually returned anything from Amazon. It's it's surprisingly simple. Yeah, they make it very easy. Anyways, I just think it's worthless. I think it's just maybe not the most I don't know economical use of our time to have daylight savings. Okay. What what would your uh, proposed solution be? To not have daylight savings time? Just always be on standard. Because sure. like a lot of people, like sure, yeah, ditching daylight savings has been talked about a lot, but a lot of people seem to say that maybe just staying on daylight savings instead of standard. Yeah, I'm ambivalent. Like I don't care which one. I just think we need to stop moving it. You could always move to Arizona. Or another country. <laughs> you seem like you're in favor of this. Of of what? Moving to another country? Generically, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was thinking like you're in favor of of the semi-annual changing of the times or me moving to another country. I'm not sure. 
We can still do the podcast. I'm honestly kind of indifferent to daily things. I, I I don't mind the the shift really. At least like this part of the year, I don't mind the shift just because uh, it's brighter later, and I kind of like that. So I don't know. I, I think I think I would either be on the side of retaining daylight savings or always being on daylight savings, just because you have I guess like extra hours of sunlight after you get off work. So I mean, you, I think there's something nice nice about that. You could just get off work earlier. Maybe it's not that easy, but it's it's just hard with kids. That's all I'm saying. It's not the easiest thing in the world with children. <laughs> You've got a seven and a four year old. It's just not my favorite. But anyways, enough about DST. Should we talk about pizza dough? Sure. Yeah, that's a very, very logical next step. Since we can't Obviously. stretch time, let's stretch some pizza dough. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Sounds good, Phil. So it sounds like you guys tend to make a lot of pizza dough every week, at least once a week, from various things that you've said. I think this podcast has kind of ruined me in a way, because we used to buy pizza every Friday night, and then, I don't know, like the last couple of months, we've just been making it, you know, taking on a little bit more of a challenge. It was a little, it was, it felt like a big hurdle in the beginning to like make our own pizza dough. But now honestly, like we make pretty much all of our bread. So what's, what's pizza dough, you know, it's just like a, another thing we like to make. I mean, I'm not trying to sound cocky. I just, I don't know. I just feel like we should, we should try more things, you know, try, try to do yeah. difficult things. Sure. Pizza dough yeah. is one and now it's not so difficult and it's really good. So what what was the kind of driving factor in uh, making your own as opposed to buying it, buying a whole like pizza already made or even just buying like pre-made pizza though? I mean, I think I wanted to like have fun with the kids, like tossing the dough. And, and I mean, it's as I, you know, as I'm thinking about, I don't know if it's necessarily any cheaper to make it at home. It's certainly more laborious, right? <laughs> but it's it's just really enjoyable. Like like the process of making pizza or the dough specifically. I mean, you can like slap toppings on a pizza. That's really easy. But yeah, like making the dough. It's it's kind of fun. You you've not done much of this, I take it. No, honestly, like personally, I I can't say that I have, Phil. Molly's made it a, a little bit more. You know, sometimes if we're if we are making homemade pizza, we've just grabbed some of the like pre-made from Whole Foods. Yeah, it's it's not something that I've personally done a crazy ton. So the pre-made is it the dough that you then form? Or you're or you're saying you just buy like the pre-made dough already stretched out? Yeah, it's it's like a it's a, a ball of dough. Okay, so you still stretch it out. Like you toss it and all that fun stuff? We don't necessarily toss it, but we'll we'll like roll it out and everything, yeah. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. What's your process for making pizza dough, Phil? I mean, there's like so many different types of pizza dough, obviously. There's seems like to be one, you know, one for every, I would say region, but it seems like every state has their own type of pizza. And that's fine. I mean, I like some people take that really seriously, you know, like Chicago or New York or, you know, it's like Pittsburgh style pizza, Detroit style pizza. Honestly, I like them all. So I don't know if I'm necessarily like in the camp to favor one over the other, but just for the sake of continuity, we've been making more of like a, a New York style pizza dough at home. Yeah. So probably, probably that New York style and like, you know, that, that process I think kind of begins with the flour itself. 
So, and I mean, I, I think I, I would imagine this is probably relatively similar for like all the different types of pizza doughs out there, but you, you want to start with a bread flour. You can use an all-purpose flour, but if you are using that, you want it to be kind of like a higher protein content. I don't know if your experience is similar to that, but to get that doughy, chewy texture, the higher protein flour works and, and bread flour just naturally is. And so we, we typically do like a, a King Arthur or something similar similar to that. So, you know, once you've chosen your, your flour, you can kind of dive in into the yeast, which is obviously a pretty important ingredient. Without yeast, you can't have rise. And I mean, I guess you, you can. You could like throw a bottle rocket in there, but I'm not that that adventurous necessarily like you, Chris. So there's there's kind of like a couple of different ways to do your yeast. There's something called instant dry yeast, and then there's an active dry yeast. And I feel like maybe I'm not the expert on this topic because I don't have a professional baker in my family like you do. So... I think that instant dry yeast is something that you want to work directly into the dough because if you add water to it, it could actually shock the the yeast and then it wouldn't perform. Whereas the active dry yeast you want to put in directly in, you know, into, into some warm water and let that rise or, or activate rather. That being said, we tend to use the instant dry yeast and then work it directly into the dough. Again, not an expert over here, but we do we do eat the pizza and it it is edible and I think maybe that's that's the end goal there. Maybe, not sure. Okay. So, we've got our yeast, I've got our flour, we've got our yeast, and then obviously like put some salt and some oil in there, but the oil we we do we do last like that is actually a pretty critical part in that process. And once we've like made our our dough, like we obviously want to send it through a bit of a proving or proofing depending on which side of the pond you're on. And you can do a cold proof or a warm proof. And I think I think cold is the way to go with pizza dough, uh, which basically means instead of, you know, sticking it on the on the range in your oven or on your oven rather, at room temperature, yeah, you, you throw it in the refrigerator and let it proof for like 24 to 72 hours. This does take time, obviously, but we're experts now because we have a podcast. And so we're okay with time. We're okay with it. We're not okay with changing time. We, we've already covered that. But we're okay with using the time that we're given. And in this case, we're given about 24 hours. So just throw that ball of dough in the refrigerator and let it ferment for, for a day. That's going to give it like a really distinct flavor. Let that yeast like work its way through the dough. Basically, I think like kind of the best way I could describe it is that a slow rise or a cold rise is going to give it more flavor than than a fast or warm rise. I mean, it's still gonna taste like pizza, but you know, like that chewy, like uh, there's almost like a like a flavor to the chew in pizza dough, at least in like a New York style pizza dough that I've experienced, and I think you get that in the cold rise. Okay, I would I would think of the chewiness of a dough as being a little bit more related to the amount of gluten that you develop in the dough. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why you would want like the higher protein flour to create that gluten. Yeah, I think so. But I, th- I think also gluten is is something that is that you actively develop. It's not just something that like necessarily happens. That's why you need dough or anything is to to help like activate that gluten. So I, I think it's it's probably largely due to how you handle the dough. Like once once it's once you're kneading it. What what do you tend to do in terms of like that process? I know you've mentioned that you you like to toss it as opposed to roll it out. But in terms of any any type of kneading of the dough, is there a kind of specific mark that you're looking for there? I, I don't know if I'm like necessarily like looking for anything, but just kind of like creating a tight ball 
I mean, not not like a, a sphere, but uh, almost like like hemispherical in in a way, if that makes sense. It's like a half ball. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Top top half of a ball. You know, because it's on the countertop, and the countertop is flat. At least ours is. I don't know what they look like in Colorado. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just I'm just trying to work in all those ingredients again. I I do the oil last. I read somewhere. I think I read it in this like little cookbook that we have on pizza that you should do that last. And I I don't know why. I mean, I think like, you know, adding that oil in last allows that dough to maybe hydrate properly, but I'm honestly not too sure. People tell me what to do and I do it. So, I mean, just stepping back a little bit, like what are all of the ingredients that you actually use in your pizza dough, Phil? Okay. I mean, you mentioned Uh, mentioned, uh, flour and yeast. We've got our salt, we've got our oil, and we've got some... Oh, gosh, you put me on the spot, Chris. I didn't put that in my notes. You do this to me. So maybe maybe one of the bigger questions is, do you add sugar to your dough? Oh, yeah. Yep, there we go. That's what I was looking for, because the yeast eats the sugar. Because some people add sugar and some people don't. I've definitely seen it both ways, I think, so. No, we, we do. We add a little bit of sugar. I can't remember how much. Like, maybe a tablespoon, I think. Sure, we'll go with that. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's a pretty basic recipe. I guess you don't have to add the sugar. Definitely need some flour, though. That's relatively fundamental to any type of dough, I would think. I think so, too. I don't know. Cauliflower crust? Have you ever had that? I still haven't. What about? Um, Not since the last time we talked about it. Zucchini? Have you ever had a zucchini crust pizza? I honestly can't say that I've had any type of vegetable crust, Phil. It's actually not bad. Really? You try it. Yeah, it's good. I'm not not really keen as to, like, necessarily what goes into that. Surely it's got to be more than just... Mashed zucchini. I don't know what they do to it, would, but it actually has a pretty good flavor. Yeah, I, I would I would assume that it's more than that. I mean, do you feel like it's comparable to an actual like bread crust or no? It is one thousand percent different. Its own thing. They've just figured out a way to make it decent. Okay, sometimes Ashley and I will do like a whole thirty or like keto style. I guess you can call it a diet, but for a while there, we were like, we found this, we found this gluten-free crust at this, this relatively local pizza place down here. And it was really tasty. Like we actually really kind of enjoyed it. And then after a while, we, we found it to be, dare I say, more enjoyable than, than like regular crust pizza. And then we, we like started doing some digging and looked up the recipe and it had like almost three times the amount of carbs than just like regular pizza. It's like, yeah, that's not working for keto. Might work for Whole30, but... Yeah, what what was it made from? Uh, I mean, just like a lot of vegetables and then a lot of starch. And I think there was maybe some cheeses inside the crust to hold it all together. I don't know, I can't remember. It was very heavy, though. It, it had a great yeah. flavor. But yeah, I mean, I think if you're like comparing side by side, it'd probably healthier just to have the pizza dough itself. I mean, not that <laughs> we're really trying to go for healthy when we're eating pizza it's pizza you fold it you can't fold you cannot fold a cauliflower crust pizza you just can't i'm assuming it cracks if you try it would crease so it's like paper in that way it's like cardstock it's like cardboard actually and you know what else you can't do to cauliflower pizza crust chris i don't know phil you can't throw it on your traeger you can't toss it okay I i feel like that's something that you're a little bit excited about here i mean if you have kids like tossing the pizza, the dough, tossing the pizza dough is just as much fun as as enjoying the pizza, in my opinion. It's fun. You know, get a little messy, get a little flour here and there, and that's okay. It's like date night at home making pizza with your kids. Do you have a, a specific technique that you have developed for that? No technique whatsoever. Just try it. I mean, there's like a thousand techniques out there if you Google it, but 
just just try it. I mean, stretch it out a little bit on the on the countertop, and then and then start throwing it. It's going to be horrible in the in the beginning. It's going to be horrible for a really really long time. It's still horrible for us. You know, I don't I don't know if we're I can't say we're making perfectly round pizza over here, but I mean we're enjoying it. You know, who cares? Plus, Chris, we all know I'm not the best food photographer in the world. So I'm not exactly aiming for perfection over here. Yeah, you just got to toss it, have some fun with it. But I think it begs the question, like, why toss the pizza? Why are the New Yorkers always tossing their pizza versus using a rolling pin? Yeah, like if you're using that rolling pin, you're just going to squish all those air bubbles and then you're not going to get, you're not going to maintain that chewy consistency that you've worked so hard for over the last 24 hours with the dough. Actually, now that I think about it, I don't think we've ever really used a rolling pin. I've just, I think we've just spread it out with our hands. Oh, I mean, I think that works. Like, yeah, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. I think maybe maybe tossing it will also allow you to really stretch it out if you want like a thin, thinner crust, relatively thin crust, which I mean is probably more closely related with the New York style than anything else. So, yeah. Yeah. I think you can use your fingers. Just don't use a rolling pin. That's what my wife tells me. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, really with any type of with any type of bread in general, you're you're looking for those air pockets in in the actual like texture of it. You don't you don't want a, a dense bread. So yeah, I think anything that you can do to maintain that makes sense. Okay. Well good. I'm glad we're in agreement on that. Starting to get a little worried there, Chris. Okay, so Phil, you've you've talked us through kind of what all goes into your dough. What all do you and your family tend to like on top of your dough or crusts, as it were? We have been mostly into like a traditional margarita or marguerite, whatever you want to call it. Just some tomato slices, uh, some basil and some mozzarella. I think in our last couple of episodes, I talked about the sauce that we use, which is basically just San Marzano tomatoes and salt. Actually, you know, I want to go back to that because I think I maybe misspoke a little bit. You know, like a can of San Marzano tomatoes is just like plum tomatoes and a bunch of juice. I do crush the tomatoes. I don't throw the whole tomatoes directly onto the pizza. I don't know if I if we clarified that in, in um, that previous episode, but yeah, like I'm creating a sauce by crushing the, the tomatoes. So that's our sauce. I throw some mozzarella cheese on there with some tomato and then some basil, but the basil we do at the end because I don't like a wilted basil. I don't know about you. I think basil is um, meant to not be wilted. So just like throw that on the end. Let the, let the already cooked pizza cook the basil versus the oven. And that's our pizza. That is, I would say, like a fairly, fairly straightforward classic pizza. Yeah, I think so. What about you guys? I guess like when when we make pizza, it's kind of kind of across the board. We'll probably like err on the side of a sausage of some sort. Maybe maybe with like a, I feel like we've done a broccolini several times. I don't I don't What's think that? we keep it quite as simple. Uh broccolini. Yeah, what is that? It's like a type of broccoli. It's like a little bit smaller head with a, a longer stem. Oh, cool. We tend to get it a lot in general. I think I think with our sauces, we're not always as like kind of simple and straightforward. I don't know. I, I feel like as I've gotten older the couple of times that we do just like a straight tomato. Honestly, I've gotten like a little bit of a heartburn just from the acidity. So we we probably more often like incorporate a little bit of a, a tomato paste or something like that. Maybe with some some like 
garlic or garlic salt. Um, let's get a, a little bit more like flavor in there. But yeah, I, I don't think we do anything super, super crazy. The, the, the last few times that I can think of has been mostly like some type of of sausage combination maybe maybe like a sausage and basil or something like that as well definitely okay. it's always great to throw some fresh herbs on there what's like the worst pizza topping you've ever had you might recall chris we had pizza in australia together and that was like different pizza i don't I, know if you remember I don't actually really remember it we would get we would get like a pepperoni pizza, but they weren't sliced pepperonis. They were like slivered pepper. It was like almost like shredded pepperoni, like the way you would have shredded carrots. Do you remember that? Okay. That was pepperoni. Honestly, I can't, I can't say that I do. I feel like I remember the weird McDonald's hamburger with beets on it. Oh, I forgot about that. We should get Daniel Ricardo on the show to verify. I, I very much enjoy beets, but I don't think I did when I was a teenager, let alone on a hamburger. Okay, so no beets on a hamburger. What about on a pizza? I think I'd probably pass on that. I'll I'll keep my beets on a salad. I think that's wise. Uh, what's the weirdest thing that you've run into? So when um, when our friends Sam and me were in Afghanistan, we had this cook that was like in in residence that would you know that would prepare all of our meals for us. And I don't know where he picked it up, man. But uh, every time he made pizza, it would have tuna fish on it. And I'm not making this up. We ate it. We often ate it with loads of hot sauce just to like muscle it down. And I actually, I like tuna fish. I like a, a little good, you know, tuna salad sandwich, but not on pizza, Chris. I do not like tuna on pizza. Yeah, I, I think I like tuna as a f- as a fish. If we're if we're talking about like any type of canned tuna or any type of tuna that ends up going into a tuna salad, that's going to be a super super hard pass. Okay, and that was the kind uh, not, of tuna that was on that, the pizza, let alone on the pizza. Yeah, that's 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 kind of a no go, I think, for me. And like it was prepared with mayonnaise, like the way you would prepare tuna salad. So it was um it was interesting. Actually, we would we we had like this buffalo sauce. At the uh, like community house that we were staying at for the longest time, I would associate like buffalo flavored wings or you know buffalo fl- flavored anything with tuna pizza. I think I got that out of my system. I'm not so concerned about the the buffalo flavor anymore. But now that we're talking about, it, I'm probably not going to be able to enjoy buffalo wings for a while. That sounds terrible, actually. Literally the worst. Yeah, that's a. Uh... A very, very, very questionable combination there. But other than that, man, I would take any okay. pizza you give me. Okay. Uh, we the Coche pizza. No. You pr- you probably can't like really make a judgment on that yet because you haven't even tried the corn smut in and of itself. This is true. This is true. I, I don't know what it tastes like in and of itself. Would you try it? Nope. Not at all. No. What if we, no. what if we got the Huila Coche <laughs> producers to sponsor us? Would you try it? Nope. I'll, I'll, I'll let you take care of that one, Phil. <laughs> Just taking one for the team. All right. Well, I suppose that can be arranged if any producers of Corn Smut want to reach out to us and sponsor us here at Dad's Kitchen. They can do so by sending us an email at hello at dadskitchenco.com. Or I guess they can hit us up on any of the socials at Dad's Kitchen Co. Dad's Kitchen Co.